You know, you spend so much time sitting at a desk. Maybe you should think about standing at a desk. (laughs) That is so true. I am actually really excited about Uplift Desk. You get to choose so many things like the color of the desktop, the size of the desktop, and they have so many standing desks. I move around all day to get all the different things done between the podcast and real job, etc. So this Uplift Standing Desk, super excited about. And we should also point out if you've never used a standing desk, they move so you don't have to always stand. In fact, they recommend that you should spend about 45 minutes of every hour standing, 15 minutes sitting, because if you spend too much time, you'll strain your back. I also love the fact that they include free shipping. They have free a warranty, a 15-year warranty, not to mention accessories with your desk purchase. And don't worry, they don't wobble. It's completely stable. It's built to last, and you can tell with a 15-year warranty. If you want to look into yours, go to upliftdesk.com slash TCO. You're going to get 5% off your order. That's up L I F T desk.com slash TCO to get 5% off your entire order. It is so much more than a bike. It is so much more than a bike. Like I have processed so much. It was funny. Someone just posted in the, in, in one of the groups, you know, is it normal to cry on the bike? And I was like, Oh, let's talk about this. Like, yeah, yeah. Because it's not just about physicality. It's about processing emotions and, and being like, I remember when I lost my dad a couple of years ago, four years ago, and I got on, I think it was a Jess King ride and I just was sobbing and probably for like my first seven, eight rides after he died, that's how, and it was amazing because it's, you know, the bike is an outlet. It is. It, 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 it helps you process through so much. It's more than just your output, more than a bike. When you hear your shout out, you know it's all right. Welcome to the Clip Out Podcast, episode 199. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. How's it going? Okay, I reckon. And yourself? Uh, it'll be a lot better in about 18 hours. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting ready to... Uh, oh, wait. twenty. I think it's like 36 36. Uh, yeah, sorry. But yeah, we're getting ready to go on a, uh, a little romantic getaway, so... Next week we will be recording remotely, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what this does with with MetPro. Yeah, I know, right? Okay, so they've been taking all of our uh, all of our carbs and they've been inching them up over the last couple of weeks, so that as we go on our little getaway, right, and we we consume more carbs, then we like gain less weight because our body is already used to consuming more. Right. Um. So I think this will be fascinating because. Just so we'll put this out there now. I usually gain seven to eight pounds in a week when we go on vacation. Right. So what do you usually gain? Like 10 or 12. Okay. So, so let's see. I'm curious to see. And I mean, I'll drop a good chunk of that pretty quickly when we get back. It's because it's like, yeah, then, then we usually lose about half of that in the first week. Right. So if we put all that out there and then we see what it looks like when we get back, like in theory, we should lose, we should gain a little bit less and we should lose it just as fast. So like it should be. 
like lose the same amount. Right. Like we usually lose about half the next week. We should still do that. Well, and it sounds like when I get back, I don't know what their plans are for you. But when I get back, it sounds like they haven't cut my calories yet. They've only ever increased my calories. They knew you had this trip coming. Yeah. And so when I get back, it sounds like they're going to start cutting. So yeah. they were like ramp you up before the trip. You go, you do what you want on the trip. You come back. We cut. Yeah. We'll see what happens. So. Yeah. And it's going to be really hard for you because when they did the cut for me, they were like, get a veggie tray so you can eat as much as you want of like free food. So I don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you get to swim in spaghetti sauce. I don't know. I would rather <laughs> not eat anything than eat a veggie tray. I know you would. So, so. I will take nothing over a veggie tray. It'll be fun to see, but yeah. uh, more fun to do nothing because I am real tired of working this amount of hours. They've been working I, you like crazy. I need so, a break. Yeah. I need a freaking break. <laughs> so uh, I guess what do you have in store for people this week? Lots of stuff for the uh, the Peloton, of course. We've got uh, John Mills joining us to talk about basically finance stuff going on for Peloton. And mm-hmm. then we've got Dr. Jen. And then we have instructors all over the news, all over again. Yeah. And uh, and then, of course, our awesome interview. So we, got, we have a lot. Awesome. Just a ton to cover. Well, before we get to all that, shameless plugs, don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us while you're there. Be sure and follow us so you never miss an episode. Of course, you can also leave us a review uh, if you would be so kind. It helps us a lot. It helps the people. It's not just it doesn't just help us, although it does help us. It does. But it also helps the people that come along after you that says, oh, this is worth checking out. Yeah. Right. So we have a new review. Oh, yay. This is from Clickstar 13. Clickstar. That's kind of a fun. That's fun to say. Yeah. Clickstar. It is. And it says, best Peloton podcast. Absolutely love this podcast. I've been listening to this podcast since episode one while working from home for the past few months. This is hands down the best place to get any Peloton related news. Don't know what I'll do when I'm completely caught up. Tom and Crystal rock. Thank you. Currently listening to episodes from September 2018. Hopefully by the time I'm fully caught up, Tom will have finally gotten on the bike. I've got some good news and some bad news for (laughs) So and their uh, their leaderboard name is Clickstar. Clickstar. So, oh, that's so fun. Yeah. So thank you very much, Clickstar. Yes. And you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the clipout while you're there. Like the page, join the group, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the clipout. While you're there, you can uh, subscribe to that as well. You're definitely going to want to check out YouTube. If not this week, then for sure next week with the 200 oh episodes, gosh. there's so much. So many surprises it's for you the guys. the most jam-packed episode we've ever created. There's tons of guest follow-ups. There's tons of fun little messages from other people that you're probably going to want to see. There are some, uh, some very visual things. So even if you download the podcast, which we hope you do. We definitely want you to do that. You're definitely going to want to maybe double dip and stroll on over to YouTube.com slash the clip out to check that out because there's a lot of fun stuff. Uh, that you're probably going to want to actually see as well as here. So, and you can also, if you're ever wondering uh, what the articles that we talk about, you can get all of those stories emailed to you in one weekly digest by signing up for our newsletter at theclipout.com. So there's all of that. Let's, uh, let's dig in, shall we? We shall. Run, lift, and live with John Mills. So joining us once again via the magic of ZoomTube is John Mills. Hey, John, how's it going? A.K.A. Hey, Grandpa Shark with the sweeper, with the sweeper. <laughs> so yes. um, I, I'm a little upset about your Grandpa Shark 
shirt. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. like, Peppa Pig is so nice to you. <laughs> and Shouldn't then, you have, like, a Peppa, Peppa Papa? Like a... Yeah. Like, yeah like right. Grandpapa Papa? I was going to say Papa Pig, but I'm like, <laughs> that's weird on, like, two levels. Like, yeah, something may right. No, yeah. that's no. not good. Wait, would it be... It would be Grandpa Pig Peppa? No, Grandpa Peppa Pig? <laughs> I can't say it. Grand Peppa Pig. <laughs> Grand Peppa Pig. I'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> so you uh, you shared your workout room with your grandbaby, and you yes. put Peppa Pig on the big screen so right. to keep keep the child interested. It takes a lot. Yes. And uh, and then yes. Peppa Pig shared that on their own social media channel. Made that's pretty me cool. So happy to see. I right? love this. Yeah. That's. So oh cool. yeah. They they actually hit me up like. I don't know, probably a month or two ago, two really? months ago. Two mo- <laughs> yeah, and they were like, oh, we saw you posting these things about Peppa Pig and all, and we like a couple of them. So you mind if we like, you know, use this? Do you have like the raw footage of it? And I, cause you know, I like edit them down. Right. And like they, they wanted the actual raw footage, not edited at all. And I don't normally keep a lot of stuff like this. Once I, Post it. I figured it's online. That's where I'll get right. it. Go I'll get save it. space yeah. on my, my my memory card. Yeah. So I I was like, I'm so sorry, but I don't think I have the wrong. <laughs> I'll look, but I don't think I have it. And they went, all right, well, whatever. Okay. So that I thought they were never going to use it because I couldn't get them the raw footage. So right. That was it. So it's been two months. I was like, hey, I, I'm just such a disappointment. I should save this footage. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, surprisingly, they post that. <laughs> well, I love it. It made my day. <laughs> that was kind of cool. That's very cool. It's very cool. And you had a busy week because you you, you, uh, you launched your own clubhouse. Yeah. We yeah, forgot to mention cool. last week. Yes. So he, yes. he has his own clubhouse as well. So people should check that out. Yeah. And, and it's not it's okay. not called Run, Lift and Live, though. What's it called? Remind us. Yes, it is. Actually, um, the club is Run, Lift and Live Club, oh. but I do a weekly uh, wellness check-in. So okay. the weekly meetup is called a wellness check-in. And it's just really, it's it's intended to be as little stress as possible. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of just wanted it to be, which it pr- might not work well with like the clubhouse forum format, but I didn't really want it to be kind of the lecture format. I was trying to figure out how to make it just like when we used to go to the studio, we get together, we talk about whatever happened the previous week in our wellness journey and anything that's coming up and, you know, and we just have a conversation. So like, I don't know, it went really well this past weekend. But awesome. We'll see. That's Go awesome. That's and then in the yeah. middle of all that, we talked about the black history stories that you find, the kind of the lesser known ones and share them with people. And you were invited to teach a class at a school. And so here you are doing that via Zoom. So you don't endanger yourself or children during a pandemic. <laughs> that's always for the best. Because of the COVID. Well, yeah, I <laughs> thought that was implied. I like was, I wasn't. I was just being He's not patient silly. zero or anything like I. <laughs> You know, that was really cool. Yeah, I I, I did lectures in four separate classes of 11th grade English honors students in a school in Rhode Island. And so I I did like a 45 minute lecture and shared some stories. And and basically it was about aligning my life experience in, you know, the African-American experience and my historical kind of genealogical research and aligning it with history and trying to align kind of what struggles we may have today with regards to bias and how that aligns to historically, you know, but it was, it was really, they were reading a book called Stamp 
And so this, that some of the chapters in the book aligned to kind of my generation. So it was cool, you know, talking to the kids. They gave me a whole bunch of uh, kind of really positive feedback after the lectures. It was, it was a lot of fun. Well, that's I'm, awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad you yeah. did it. Uh, I'm, I know oh, yeah. it was outside your comfort zone. So I'm very proud of yeah. you for stepping outside your comfort zone and doing it. Thank you. Yes, I stressed out. I was kind of stressed <laughs> out. I was like, I I might be too much for these kids. I'm be all excited, and the teacher's gonna try to be calming me down. Like, I, I wasn't really sure how this was gonna go, and, but but it was really cool. But I was really nervous when we first got on because I didn't know are the kids in the room or are they at home. It's all Zoom. Oh, yeah. sure. And I thought they were all at home, but the teacher you can tell is in a classroom, and they all had everyone on the call had a mask on. So they must and then I started there. thinking, is it just like politically correct to even just, just wear a mask, even if you're alone? And you're... <laughs> have we gone that wearing far? a mask? <laughs> Why do they have masks on? <laughs> Turns out they actually have computers in the classroom. Okay. Okay. okay so each person had, I gotcha. I it like... took me until day two to figure that out. <laughs> Day two, I almost wore a mask. No, they would have been like, didn't. why are you wearing a mask? <laughs> Be the first guest speaker to get detention. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, good job, John. Yes, well done. That was good. Oh, Thank you. So uh, digging into the world of Peloton, an interesting email was sent out this week uh, yeah. that, uh, that I actually noticed, of all people. I didn't get it. Yeah. I never did get it. And I just thought it was really fascinating and, and telling in that they had a promotional offer, get free gear with a bike or a tread plus. Yeah. And I just thought it was fascinating that like, I guess delivery times must be getting better if they're starting to throw enticements out to people. Agreed. And I think it's interesting. It's only on the original equipment, right? So not the new tread, right. not the new bike, yeah. only on the original. So that's kind of fascinating all by itself. I noticed that in the when you posted it in your group, I hadn't paid any attention to like which ones it was. But yeah, it's all the original equipment. Yeah. So you're right. It makes it it makes you think that, you know, maybe maybe they're doing better with the newer stuff and they're trying to get the older equipment out. I don't know. But yeah, that was interesting. I think that is it, because when you have checked on the the delivery dates in the past, I've noticed that there started to be a little discrepancy between the new and the old. So I think that that's interesting in and of itself, that the new stuff is going to go faster. So agree. You notice they cut those 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 uh, delivery timelines out. You can't go to the site anymore and check. It's it doesn't the, give you any time frame anymore. I think it's all your fault. I do. I think it's. I think I, I broke it. I don't <laughs> yeah. think I broke. I think they heard us talking about it because they. I mean, they they do listen. They do. Like, and I, I right. yeah, I think they were like, yeah, like we don't need to make that quite maybe, so public. Maybe that doesn't need yeah. to be a discussion, or yeah. maybe it's like they they've gotten it down under control enough that right. they don't want to they don't want to like call it out anymore yeah. like if it changes a little bit they don't really want to talk about it if it goes back out to right. 10 to 12 weeks then we'll talk about it again they'll put yeah. it back up right, right. <laughs> or, or, or maybe we just broke it no no <laughs> It's because you were hitting refresh all the time. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hitting refresh. They're like, you know what? We got to get rid of this. <laughs> you were screwing up their metrics. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you found an article this week from Taiwan, yeah. right? Did I get the country right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. Money DJ is uh, an outlet in Taiwan. And they posted about Rexon, which is one of uh, Peloton's uh, manufacturers, and how their revenue numbers for January and February of 2021 are triple digit, I, I assume, percentage uh, greater in revenue than they were in January and February of 2020. And so um, I thought that was, I mean, it kind of lends to, you know, things are still, still lots of demand for Peloton equipment. So I thought that was fascinating. And then in the article, they talk about knowing, I don't know how they know this, that Peloton still has 
500,000 undelivered orders or undelivered bikes. How is that possible? Right. Like, so I'm thinking, really, I don't know how they would know that, but you know, how they know that there's 500,000 still uh, bikes that are still undelivered as of March 11th, when this, this uh, post came out. But if it is true, my mind thought, well, if they're catching up from that 500,000 now, like what was it in October? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That number is accurate, right? Like, wow, that's a lot. And also we know that they're not in the same type of constraint. We, every, I keep hearing left and right about people saying, my delivery date was way out here. Now it's, you know, next week. Uh, you know, it, like, so it's obvious that the times aren't the same anymore. Things are kind of getting back to a normal kind of cadence. So yeah the, yeah, the complaints are becoming a lot less. They're fewer and farther between. Uh, they really right. need to get to these people that have been hanging out there for like eight months, though. It's like crazy. Right. Yeah. Like those people still don't have their equipment. And it's so weird that right. they don't have a way to go in and like prioritize because they're people. it's through XPO. At yeah. some point, like it, yeah. they lose the ability to go. But in man, and do you do think that. at that point, just buy a second bike and cancel whichever one shows doesn't show up first. Some people have done that. Yeah. yeah. Which which didn't yeah. help with the whole. Yeah, demand. totally. It's, I mean, it's like with concert tickets and counter holds i've talked about before about how it's you know so absolutely yeah, yeah. It's probably why they have five hundred thousand undelivered bikes <laughs> <laughs> well and I, I it seems like the process is working that maybe that's just kind of like normal i mean pandemic normal right backlog and manufacturing kind of hold maybe that's just you know maybe that's not really that far behind for them like i don't know I, I don't know. Maybe it is like because they have to build to get ready for the next demand. So maybe it's always like right. that that many undelivered so that they can build for the next one. I guess that kind of makes sense. Right. I don't, I yeah. don't know. Hmm. And then uh, finally, uh, interesting. it is uh, Yahoo Finance sat down with Alan Boomer <laughs> from Momentum Advisors managing partner he's a managing partner in momentum advisors and i i just thought it was interesting because alan is a proponent of peloton he's like yeah he's you know i i thought it was interesting because i feel like this is maybe the first stock picker guy (laughs) they probably have a more professional sounding name than stock picker no i think that's 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 okay yeah picker guy yeah Uh, spg is what they call him in the in the biz that's the acronym right right, right. yeah it's uh, i don't like to get all jargony on people but uh that's how that works right right but he he's like no peloton's here to stay and i think that's fascinating because so many of these stock people have been just like they ride it while it's hot and then they dump it and he's just like not just and a covid stock and his reasoning behind it makes perfect sense to me, right? He he starts talking about how Peloton subscribers are so passionate about it, they actually end up being the one promoting and selling the equipment. And he's right. You know, you know, Peloton folks, they tend to talk about their exercise equipment yeah. and their the classes that they're taking. And they're out there on social media talking. I think that dynamic is just so unique um, yeah. to Peloton. And so he aligns that to, I mean, they're... They're likely not going anywhere. Also, in the Wall Street Journal this week, John Foley was saying a similar thing. He's like, yeah, I know everybody thinks, you know, at-home stocks are going to start going down because of vaccines. But he's like, five million treadmills are sold in the U.S. every year, you know, before all of this. Right. So, you know, and, and he, you know, he, he always gets his little dig in. That's when it was like dopey equipment that wasn't connected. <laughs> right. He always gets that in. 
You want to know that? Good for him. I love that. I do because because he's such a nice guy, and um right. and like we've seen how nice John is. Because how many times has right. he been taken advantage of? I mean, we've seen right. these lawsuits that he clearly was yeah. taken advantage of. So I like that he gets right. a little dig in on their dopey equipment. You know, John's a cool guy. Don't don't get it twisted. He's I walked up on him in New York one day, and he had on these fly Air Force Ones, multicolored, like he was about to step on stage with Run DMC. I was like. <laughs> John, I was like, John, them shoes, them, them shoes are fly. Them shoes right there are fly. He said he had gotten some advice to get them, but yeah, but yeah. he's a cool, but he's he, a cool guy. But he took yeah. the advice. Yeah, he took the advice. Right? Let's yeah. not lose sight of that. But, yeah, that's right. That's right. But yeah, like I said, I just find this fascinating that so many of the stock people are just like, oh, they're riding the wave, and this guy's like, no. no. And I think, and I think he's right. And I think, you know, you're right when you say about the passion of the community. I mean, whenever people talk about that, I'm like, go find the Echelon podcast. Yeah. Right. It's not out there. Right. Oh, they and their yeah, their community. I see them on Instagram and they are they attempt to kind of create that same type of energy. But you can tell it's coming from echelon right right like they're trying to reproduce it and that's what i've been saying you can't recreate it It, it, it's something that happened organically you cannot force that kind of thing you just can't in the world of (laughs) in the world of politics they refer to that as astroturfing well because it's fake grassroots (laughs) it's not working yeah yeah, it, it it's not working now. No. <laughs> not sure why. It ain't no. working. <laughs> I think we know why. We know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I try to be nice. Yeah, I know. yeah, I don't, think I know why. Don't start now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've literally got you recorded plenty of other weeks not being yes. nice. So don't even. Oh yeah, that. people already know. They already know. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. So uh, I guess that's it for this week. Uh, thank you for joining us. Until next time, remind everybody where they can find you. Uh, they can find me on my Run, Lift, and Live page or group on Facebook. They can find me on Instagram, Run, Lift, and Live, or they can find me at runliftandlive.com. And when is your next clubhouse? Oh, this Saturday. Oh, I'm losing my headset. This Saturday, <laughs> um, 2 p.m. Eastern. Awesome. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act... That sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Awesome. Thank you. Getting the Psychological Edge with Dr. Jen. So joining us today once again via the magic of ZoomTube is Dr. Jen Mann, licensed marriage, family, and child therapist and sports psychology consultant. You may know her from VH1's Couples Therapy with Dr. Jen or VH1's Family Therapy with Dr. Jen. She was also a five-year national team member in rhythmic gymnastics and handled sports psychology for USA Gymnastics. And most importantly, the reason our paths cross, she loves Peloton which is why she takes time out of her schedule to do this. Thank you and welcome. 
It is my pleasure. You know, anytime I can talk Peloton or Peloton related things, I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are very, we benefit greatly from yes, that. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, today's question is from a member of the Clipout group, Heidi Morgan Skelly. And she would like to know your advice for how to not get super depressed when you can't work out because you're recovering from an injury or illness. This is such a great question. And I've worked with like really top level athletes who have struggled with this as well. Like wherever you are are on the exercise continuum, this is most likely at some point, unfortunately, going to be an issue for you. There are a few things. You know, one is I really recommend if this is a Peloton person doing the meditations every day, just at the very least, so you can get your check mark and feel like you haven't lost ground and that you're not starting over. Because I know that especially in kind of our Peloton community, we can get a little obsessive about our check marks. So I recommend doing the meditation. I also recommend asking your doctor, if you have a foot injury, can you do arms? If you have a shoulder injury, can you do walking? If you have a back injury, like what can you do? So to be able to work on strengthening other parts of your body when one part has you knocked out, I think is always good. And we sometimes we tend to be all or nothing. Oh, well, if I can't do that workout that I always do, if I can't do a 60 minute run or I can't do a full body workout, then I don't want to do anything. But injuries are actually a really good time to kind of balance us out. It can be a good time to focus on stretching or on some gentle yoga or other things that can help our body. Also, the other thing that I really recommend is mental training during that time that you start doing visualizations. Like, let's say you are, uh, you have a Peloton tread and you're into running and to start to, during that time, visualize what it's going to be like when you get back to start visualizing, breaking time, start to visualize running, becoming easier. That visualization is really when I work with athletes, it's one of the number one tools that I work with doing sports psychology. And it is amazing. You know, they've done studies. There's a study in particular that I remember in grad school that where they had people do free throws for basketball players. And they had one group that did visualization, one group that did free throw practice, one that did visualization and free throw, and one that did not. And what they found was the group that did that the best was the one that did obviously the physical and the visualization, but followed by the visualization group, which was then followed by the practice group, (laughs) which really speaks to how important our minds are in building us up as athletes. Wow, that's that is fascinating. Holy I, cow. I also uh, want to just go back to the meditation. So you get your checkmark piece of advice. Yeah. And I just I love that piece of advice because it's so Peloton specific, right? We talk about yeah. like how much you love Peloton. And that's kind of the perfect marriage of your professional expertise <laughs> with just your your personal passion that like, I don't know that you could get. Such a such a great piece of advice that's so hyper specific for Peloton users from any other professional. That's very Thank true. <laughs> yeah, no, I I am obsessed, and I'm not going to lie. I need my check mark, so, <laughs> but I don't want anyone to lose out on their check mark because they've had an injury. Because it can really it can shift your mindset, and it can yeah. really make you feel so discouraged and so negative that it's such a great way to be able to get that check mark and also be doing something that's really good for you. And I think that sometimes people under 
estimate the value of these meditations, especially if you're injured. And I know that like Ross Rayburn has healing meditation. I'm sure all of the instructors do that. That's a good time to do a healing meditation when you are injured. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. And and I have recently been doing more meditations and I would say that I 100 percent agree with that, because if nothing else, it really quiets your mind. And when you feel frustrated about something like not being able to work out, there's just this like space that you make in your mind that like lets everything else be calmer the rest of the day. And so yeah. that can be very important. And, and, I, and I think for a lot of people, especially right now where we're in a pandemic, exercise binds anxiety. And that if you're injured and you can't work out, especially if it's at all, which I hope is not the case, because usually if you injure one part of you, you can use another part of you. But we need something to replace the thing that exercise serves to help us with. And a lot of the time meditation can be that that sort of stand in. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, uh, remind everybody where they can find you. You can find me on social media at Dr. Jen Man, two ends on Jen, two ends on man. I also have an InStyle magazine column that comes out every week, Hump Day with Dr. Jen, but you can even find that on my social media. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Peloton in the news. So L Magazine this week took us inside the Peloverse. I love this. I'm surprised it took this long to have like this kind of coverage of all of the different pieces of Peloton. Of the of the fandom of Peloton. And we exactly. like this article not just because we're in it. No. They didn't talk to us or anything. No. But we had no idea this was coming and just all of a sudden they like they like linked to us and talked about all the different ways you could engage with Peloton that aren't from Peloton, yeah. that whether it's a Facebook group or, and they said, or an unofficial podcast, and then they link to us. And so that was exciting. Very cool. Yeah. And I really, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of groups kind of reached out whenever I posted this and they were like, oh, we weren't one of the groups, but, but I mean, with 300, totally. I mean, and they only said 300, we know there's more than 300, Absolutely. but, but you know, there's so many, you can't get everybody, but I think that it's really cool how they covered a little bit of everything from the perspective of like there's like all these different things like you said that you can yeah you can do so it was very I, I was honored to be part of it and I also kind of liked the the tone of the article which was that it sounds like they went in kind of like almost gonna make fun of it because it's like oh it's so silly and then the author joined all these groups and then the longer she was in the group she was like oh this is pretty great oh these people are pretty nice and normal and they're not like crazed cult members like they just they have a shared love of two things that unite them peloton and whatever you know their their moms or peloton and they're in the clergy or yes, what have you exactly and so, um it was kind of like like the community itself kind of like made her do a 180 and be like okay this isn't as cringe inducing as i thought it was going to be that's what the peloton community does it does that's the power of the peloton community and then the L.A. Times had an article about all the cycle studios reopening out that way. Mm -hmm. And can they pry people away from their Peloton bikes? No. Short answer, no. No, they cannot. Next article. Pretty much. Yeah. Like it's, I mean. There, I'm, There's I'm, always going to be people that are still going to go. I don't mean that like those places are going to shut down. But places, people who really enjoy their bike are not going go to go back to the gym. They're not going to sell it or throw it away. No. It's right there in their house. And if they're digging it. Like, why go back? And they already have to pay for that, too. So, right. Yeah. And they spelled Peloton wrong. And the uh, URL. And the URL. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they spelled it P-E-L-E. 
T-O-N. See that a lot on the OPP, followed by 100 comments telling them how dumb they are. Totally. And then on the heels of that, the Wall Street Journal kind of has a similar article about how gyms are reopening, but now everything's different. Yeah. What was your take on this one? Well, I don't have a subscription to the Wall Street Journal. Oh. So my my take on it was, I don't want to subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. That's fair. Yeah. Next. <laughs> <laughs> We split up the subscription, so you have the journal subscription, I have the Washington Post subscription. Yes, and I should have read it, but it, guys, it's been real busy. She's been very busy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really feel guilty. Like, I, I really do. Like, no one else cares, but I feel guilty. Ugh. And then a quick hit from Yahoo Finance talking about how Peloton COO Tom Cortezzi, Who we've also interviewed. Past guest. He was on one of our episodes sat the down, homecoming episode the homecoming episode sat down with us for five or ten minutes and told us how much we irritate him when we leak news before they're ready uh well, oh, we love you tom here's something new for him to be <laughs> irritated by about hello tom <laughs> uh that he sold off uh, some of his uh, peloton stock for a, a tidy little sum i mean 4.4 million dollars that's amazing Congrats to him Absolutely Like that's You know like, I love it Yeah no It's great to see these people That kind of got in On the ground floor Rolled the dice And man did it pay off big And and my guess is That's not anywhere close To the bulk of his stock As early as he got in So it's not like he's Panicking I think he's just oh, Going to be no. like He's probably going to Buy a house And he's like Why take out a mortgage <laughs> Right Right Yeah absolutely and then Vox had an article about how the Peloton delivery driver is now the most popular person <laughs> in the pandemic. <laughs> Sales are up 232%. Oh, that's funny. That's crazy. So I wonder how much a Peloton delivery driver gets compared to other companies that they deliver. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like if you took like an Echelon bike, for example. Right. Or, you know, a Nordic track bike and they have to be delivered and set up. Right. Well, I guess Echelon doesn't get delivered. You buy it at Costco. So never mind. But Fair Nordic enough. track. Okay. Okay. So Nordic track, if you just had them side by side, do they get do they get the exact same amount of tip? Or because you have to wait so long and you're so freaking excited they're at your house, do you tip the Peloton delivery driver more? Or do they get tipped worse because they're mad and they're taking it out on that poor uh, schlub? I don't know. That's or a great schlubette. question. Anybody that's ever delivered to us. Now, we've had XPO drivers, not and except for one, uh, maybe two. So we've had like five Peloton deliveries because we had the pink Peloton bike and then I got my bike plus and then I had my first bike and then the tonal and the tread. And every single one of those deliveries has been perfect. Yeah. I have never had an issue. They've all been wonderful delivery people and I have tipped well because I'm always so happy with how they handle it. So no bets. I don't know. Okay. How would we ever find out? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'll bet since there's no way I can ever lose the bet. Okay. There's no way I can ever win it, but there's no way I can ever lose it. So what's your bet? One million dollars. That it's good or bad? Yes. Okay. And then uh, GQ UK had uh, a review of the new tread and they dug it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's really nice. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I see two kinds of posts mm -hmm. about the new tread. I see... I tried both of them side by side, and the Tread Plus kicks the shit out of the regular Tread. Right. Which I think is true. But also true is I can only, I have a smaller space, so I can't have the Tread Plus, and right. the Tread is also really, really nice. So I think Peloton's going to do amazing with this new Tread. I really do. I think it's going to be great for people who um, have smaller spaces or they live in apartments where they can't have a really loud machine and a heavy machine. Yeah. So I think it's going to be and good. And I could see it be some something that somebody kind of 
stair steps, right? That like when you're younger, you buy the tread, and then as you get older, and you need something that's a little bit easier on your knees, and you and you presumably as you age, maybe making a little bit more money, hopefully, and have a little more comfort in your life financially. Yeah, you can upgrade. To the tread plus and then also you'll know by then too like okay I use this thing all the time right and you can justify I feel more comfortable buying the next level because now I know I'll use it so I I could definitely see people buying a tread having it for four or five years and then upgrading to a tread plus when they're at a different point in their life or when they have their forever home or absolutely absolutely both of them are beautiful machines. So, uh, Tom, yes, how's how's your new journey going with tonal? Because let me tell you, you've sold a lot of tonals. I don't know why, but people were like, oh, if Tom's using it, I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger. You're too young to remember, but it's like that old commercial like for what was it Life Cereal? <laughs> Mikey, he doesn't like anything. <laughs> I tried it. I liked it. But you like a tonal. Well, I mean, I know you don't. I don't like working out, but it's nice. It's a great machine, and I, you know, for me, the big selling point of the tonal is just that it's, it's. I don't have to think about it, right? Like I can just go up to the tonal. I pick my class, and and then if you do a program, that's like four weeks. Yeah, and so I don't have to think about it for a month. But I think that's what speaks to people because I think there's a lot of people that are intimidated by weights and they've never done weights. And so really I joke, but seriously, I think that that is why people have like pulled the trigger because they're like, well, if, if Tom's somebody who hates, if it's so simple, Tom can do it. Exactly. Who has no experience going to a gym. Don't like working out. Yeah. And you've had a great experience with the machine. I have like, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even though I still like, I hate that I have to do it. Like, it does what it's supposed to do well. It doesn't feel janky. It's really, I mean, they put that thing into the wall solid on with into the studs. Like it doesn't feel like it's going to pull off the wall or anything like that. And it, and, and I really like the fact that like it stair steps you on those weights to where it's like, I would never know when to go up on a weight or down. Right. Who are we kidding? Right. And, and it just does it. And it doesn't even really make all that big of a deal about it. It just kind of quietly does it in the background. Now you're lifting one more pound. And then it just and just slowly over time, you lift more weight. Well, if anybody out there has been looking into the tonal, now is the time to buy. You can visit www.tonal.com for $100 off the smart accessories when you use promo code THECLIPOUT at checkout. You can try tonal for 30 days risk-free. That's www.tonal.com, promo code THECLIPOUT. Tonal, be your strongest. Instructors in the news. Shape Magazine had their weekly Peloton article. (laughs) It's mandated by law. (laughs) And this one was about the various instructors and their makeup regimen. Uh, yeah, and uh, this is this is a big deal because this wasn't like a paragraph. Right. This was like a full on spread, and each each instructor that was featured. So there were four of them. We've got Allie, Kendall. it's interesting. The headline says five, but the picture oh, shows Olivia. four. It's because it's Olivia over there. They have like a little tiny one of Olivia. Well, I don't know weird. why they did that. Who'd she piss off? <laughs> uh, well, she's got a, still a full page spread. So okay. Olivia, Tunde, Kendall, Allie, and Aditi. All of them were featured. And um, so they go through their makeup routine and like what their signature makeup piece is. So like 
for Olivia, it's her lipstick, and there's the her brows for Allie, and Tunde's everything, her <laughs> lipstick especially, and then well, um, and her background is makeup. I know, so she's, she's that's like, why I mean her everything. Yeah, like, she's amazing, and Aditi, she's got the eyeliner game down. Gotcha. Like, uh, it's down. She does the cat eye, the best cat eye ever. And then Kendall, um, I can't remember. What did they say about Kendall's? What was Kendall's? Oh, all of her skincare. She does have great skin. She's like perfect skin. So very cool that all of these ladies uh, were all featured in Shape Magazine this week. Congrats to all of them. I know they were all really excited and posting about when they were posting about it. Every one of them. Oh, was really? Like super excited. That's yeah. funny. Like I think, I mean, because it's like they're in a freaking magazine yeah like they're not like again with this like level of how the peloton totally. has just risen to this new stardom incredible and if that's not enough cody was featured in the new york times yeah this article this is your brain on peloton was basically just an ode to cody a love letter to cody rigsby it really was uh it was all about how much they uh, appreciate his sense of humor his dance uh, his ways of dancing and just every, how he loves Britney. In fact, the uh, person who wrote the article, I believe it, like she has a hashtag that is free Britney. That's her hashtag. Gotcha. Um, and she doesn't have a bike. So she's like a on demand ride or like a she doesn't have a bike. So she's like on the leaderboard in the like the shadow realm. Oh, OK. Like, <laughs> the instructors shadow can realm. see her, but they can't see her hashtags. And right. Like, <laughs> the rest of us can't see her uh, hashtags. So very cool, though. They absolutely loved Cody. I like seeing these features and I like that it was all about one instructor. It wasn't just Peloton. It was across the board. Totally. Peloton Closet. Step into the Peloton Closet with Tori. So joining us today from Peloton Closet, it's Tori. Hello, Tori. Hi, Tom. Hi, Crystal. Hi. How's it going? It's going great. We are recording and it's light, (laughs) (laughs) which I love because it's daylight savings time. And that means it's time to do one of my favorite things, which is spring cleaning. All right. So are you going to are you going to get us all prepared to organize all of our Peloton clothes? Absolutely. I Absolutely. Think if she enjoys spring cleaning so much, we should invite her over. So we should just like fly her from California. We've it, got some work for you to it do. It might Tori. be worth it. We have miles. <laughs> we have miles just sitting there. I've got some friends to visit in um, in St. Louis, so I'm up for it. But um, okay, well, let's get started. Okay. I have three ways that I like to go through my athletic wardrobe to organize. I love a good purge and then sort of get ready, you know, to swap out the leggings for the bike shorts or the dark stuff for the brighter colors for spring. So let's go through the three steps that I like to take. And I brought some visual aids today Ooh, all right. to show you my ways. Which those visual aids would be good if people, if they haven't sampled our YouTube channel yet to uh, when you get, if you're listening to this, when you get a chance later, go to youtube.com slash the clip out and watch this episode. Absolutely. Okay. And I will also be posting some of the videos and photos that I mentioned on my website, which is pelotoncloset.com. Awesome. So, okay. So let's begin. The first step in the whole spring cleaning situation for me is to straighten up all the drawers where I store my athletic clothes. And the truth is that my whole brand is misnamed because I don't actually have a Peloton closet. (laughs) I have Peloton drawers. I didn't really think about that. Um, 
when I was naming myself. So, oops. Peloton drawer sounds a little weird. It does. Yeah. yeah. It's not. It's not as good. So anyway, I do store my stuff in drawers. And a number of years ago, I read this book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And there was also a Netflix series mm-hmm. by the same woman. Her name's Marie Kondo. Yes. And maybe you've seen that meme where she's going like, I love mess. Um, so, <laughs> I, 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 I like that's... I've watched the whole show. I love I love Marie Kondo. She's yeah. great. <laughs> She's you know, she can be a little bit extreme for some people. But mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, her clothing storage tips are life changing, like not a misnomer, truly <laughs> life changing. So before I read that book, I used to stack all my leggings and, you know, all my T-shirts on top of one another. And then if I couldn't see the thing on the bottom, it just never got worn. Right. So I completely changed to the Marie Kondo method. And now I basically stack all my things, envision a bookshelf. So essentially what I do is I'm actually going to demonstrate with a nice hot pink pair of leggings. So it's nice and bright. I take my leggings And instead of just folding them like in half and then putting another pair on top, what I do is fold them in thirds. And essentially they, you can see, they'll stand up on their own on the bottom of your drawer. And so when you look at your drawer, now you'll have all of your leggings or all of your t-shirts. You can do it with the tank. You can do it with shorts. Uh, Oh, and there you go. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Everything stands up. It looks like a nice little bookshelf. And that way you can see all of your items. And for me, when I see the things that I own, then I'm able to actually wear them. And if I don't wear them, it's probably not just because they're buried in the back of the drawer, but there's probably like a reason. Maybe they don't fit me. Maybe I'm waiting to lose, you know, the last five pounds, whatever. So maybe they're scratchy. Like there's probably a reason and maybe it's time to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, I, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's a great way too to kind of pick out what needs to go. Like if you, if you have it very visual like this, then it's easy to see what you're not choosing. And that, that can then be taken to the next step, I'm sure. So Crystal, sometimes Uh leggings might need to go. Is this a... (laughs) This that's, more of a hypothetical situation, well, or I'm, let's let, that's why we say life changing. Tom, <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of Tori's thing. Don't steal her thunder. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and just one more thing about storage. I also have this is like a box that I use for a sports bra. So, same thing. You you stack them up this way, and what's nice about this is in your drawer. You know, maybe you put it this way. And then you can flip it around. Same concept. Now the things that were toward the back are in the front. And again, if you're not wearing them, you know exactly. There's the storage box. So that white item in the front, when I flip it around, you know, if it doesn't get worn, like I'm going to know. Like it's just because I'm choosing not to wear it. It's not because I forgot about it. I need a better storage for sports bras. So this is this is inspiring. Okay, these boxes you can get at Target. You can get at the Container Store or you can use a shoe box. Mm. So it does not have to be fancy or expensive. Great. Now she's going to buy more shoes so she can (laughs) store all the leggings. Actually makes it more expensive. (laughs) Are you, Tom? (laughs) Are you, though? Are (laughs) you? So, okay. Step two, assess. So, you know, you see your things and now you're like, you know what? I never wear that blue sports bra. Those green leggings have gotten no love from me for whatever reason. And um, maybe it's time to let them go via a spring cleaning. Now, sometimes we're not ready emotionally to take that step. And that's where I like to talk about the clothing 
purgatory. Um, I will pull something out of a drawer and put it in a pile, stick it in a bag, like in the actual Peloton closet. I do have a closet. Um, it's a whole and closet. It's, it's there, but I'll stick it in there for like, you know, maybe a week or two and decide, have I thought about this thing? Have I cared about it? Do I miss it? If not, bye, time to go. So um, that's kind of how I go through my process. And then it's really about what do I do with this stuff? And, you know, I think you have a few options. First of all, giving it away to a nonprofit. You want to check and make sure that they actually want your stuff. I just went online to a nonprofit organization near me, and they were specifically asking for sports bras and like warm socks and athletic socks. So I felt really good about being able to give those specific items to that organization, knowing they had a, a very real need for those things. Yeah, totally. Um, so another uh, thing that a lot of people do, especially with those Peloton branded items, is selling them. There's a huge <laughs> market. We're going to talk about another time buying resale. So more to come on that. But in the meantime, Facebook, Marketplace, Poshmark, eBay, if you have some item, especially of Peloton branded clothing, you are going to make someone else very happy <laughs> when you sell that because they missed out on it and they've been searching for it maybe for a long time. Krista, you could so, make two someone's happy if you sold it. <laughs> I'd be careful. She's going to start talking about comic books. Yeah, Tom, piling up. Tom I, I don't think you've opened the last eight shipments of comic books you've I've gotten. I've been busy. So have I. <laughs> And then finally, like if taking something to, you know, a local nonprofit or selling it online is too hard, you might want to just organize a swap, trade with friends. When I left my last job, people were really sad. And I don't think it's because I was such a great employee, but probably because I was the person who always showed up with a big bag of leggings and <laughs> tank tops and shorts and was like, hey, guys, free for all. Come grab some stuff. That's awesome. Oh, all those people were crying when I um, moved to my new place of employment. So you can make yourself really popular with friends and neighbors or colleagues if you want to bring things in to share. So Ooh, good tips. Good tips. It'd be way more yeah. popular than cake in the break room. Well, I mean, both are What's pretty the good. Antidote to yeah. cake. Exactly. exactly. New, new leggings and workout clothes. That's right. There That's you right. Go. Well, thank you very much for all that. Um, until next time, where can people find you? I am all over the Internet. Under the name Peloton Closet. So Instagram is my favorite channel and that's Peloton Closet. I'm on Facebook, not quite as much, but um, Peloton Closet. I have my my website, which is Peloton Closet. I am on Reddit, Peloton Closet, and I am at the bottom of the leaderboard, <laughs> Peloton Closet. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tori. You know, while we're talking clothing, mm -hmm. found an article from promomarketing.com which I thought was very interesting. And it says Peloton reportedly sold 600,000 pieces of branded apparel last quarter. Good God. Quarter. I did not buy that many. No, I mean, you're <laughs> at best, you're 300,000 of them. So. Wow, that is a phenomenal figure. Yeah. And that, I mean, and now you see why things like Adidas are jumping in, right? Yeah, so, and this whole article was about the Adidas 
collaboration, which we covered last week, but is interesting to note that that this article was also like, yeah, Peloton didn't do a release at all still. Like I thought I really thought it would just happen over the next couple of days and then it never did. But yeah, supposedly there's one coming. So interesting. Yeah, totally. But like, it shows you why somebody like Adidas is it wants to partner up with Peloton when they're moving 600,000 pieces in a quarter. That's crazy town. Yeah, and and keep in mind that's without meeting the demand, right? Like there it's still selling out. Right. It's not it's not like anybody their thirst was quenched. An, There's more. An excellent point. <laughs> Makes you wonder if Peloton will change their tactic on that. Yeah. Peloton celebrity sightings. Bloomberg had an article, uh Peloton basks in celebrity love while at the bottom of the Nasdaq 100. What do you, what are your thoughts on this? Well, um, I mean, they're talking about like kind of the disconnect in terms of like how popular it is with celebrities, and it talks about like Lizzo and Miley Cyrus and Ellen DeGeneres all all being huge proponents of it, but that its stock, I guess, they think should be bigger, or why isn't it doing better? And and uh, and talks about how Nautilus actually outperforms it in terms of. Like percentages, it's, it's okay. But gr- Nautilus started from a smaller point. Well, then that, that's what they're talking about. That that its growth has outpaced it, even though Peloton's stock price is significantly higher, right? But Nautilus started at a smaller point, right? Yes, yeah, so. yeah, totally. But I mean, if you're a stock guy, if you, you'd rather throw two hundred thousand dollars at the other one yeah. and get that bigger growth and cash right back out, right? And, like that's if you're only looking at numbers, right. yes, absolutely, yes. But that's what people just don't get about Peloton. So this yeah. whole th- this person clearly doesn't get it. Well, I mean, and it is Bloomberg, so they're there to talk about stock stuff. So I mean, I I get that, but Bloomberg's uh, usually really uh, positive Peloton. So. Yeah, but I think they're like I said, they're just overall talking about just the little bit of the disconnect between you know, and and I and I do think that as we talked previously in the episode, the passion in the fan base and the passion among the celebrities is what's going to really help drive it long term. Is that it creates a, a brand loyalty that the other ones just can't replicate. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Peloton Artist Collaboration. We have a new artist collaboration with Lauren Hill. I'm really looking forward to this. I love Lauren Hill. And um, I've listened to her music for a long, long time. So I'm really excited about this one. Are you? Yeah, I am. It's not really my thing. Not that I was going to. Um, you weren't going to ride? Wasn't going to hop on the bike anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, but still, it's like we talk about all the time. It's great that they have so many different artist to spotlight it is yeah it's incredible i love seeing the the breadth of different artists absolutely peloton birthdays so not actually a birthday but uh jess king is celebrating her seventh anniversary with peloton seven years can you believe that yeah 2014 congrats to jess king absolutely and she has a special celebratory ride that you can take with her it's going to be uh saturday march 20th at noon eastern and 30 minutes long so it's perfect time to enjoy right in the middle of the day checking in with the peloton community so uh, joining us today via the magic of ZoomTube is Jennifer Storm. Hey, Jennifer, how's it going? Good. I, I'm super excited about this. I feel like I've seen you on the leaderboard like forever. 
I've had a bike for a while. It's um, 2015. Yeah. 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 So you've had years longer than I have. So that's really cool. So what was your fitness like before Peloton? Ugh, um, back that far? <laughs> I did, I, no, no, there is no life before Peloton. It's just, it's non-existent. So I'm by pure background, I'm not an athlete, have never been super into athleticism at all, but I started needing something to kind of process trauma, my own trauma. And then the work that I was doing at the time was I was actually in, I'm in victim services and I was doing homicide response, which is is incredibly intensive and super traumatic. And I, I was finding myself coming home with like all these experiences stuck to me and then, you know, it was bringing up my own shit. And so I was trying to figure out like, how do I process this? And therapy wasn't really helping and all the normal things that I would normally do just weren't really helping to get it out. So I started to run and I found running to be really helpful. And then I turned 40 and my knees, you know, I started getting a little older uh, and my knees weren't, weren't really liking me too much. And so I, I started to dip into spin classes here and there. Um, not dare I say it, I went to Gold's gym. That was my first spin class experience. <laughs> and then I fell in love with spin. I fell in love with the, I love the fact that it was low impact, but really high intensity. So I could still get that brain clear that I got from running without killing my knees. And so I I really got into spin. And so I was doing like, you know, I travel a lot. So I was doing a lot of different boutiques. I won't name any of those people. And I kept seeing this ad pop up all of a sudden, like it's probably in 2014, I would get this ad on my Facebook and I was like getting inundated. I feel like Peloton targeted me and stalked me um, successfully. Yes. And I think that's their strategy. And I kept saying to my wife, man, this would be what if I had it right here in my living room? Like, what a great concept. And I had never heard about, you know, there was no on-demand exercise at that point. There, like, there really wasn't this thing. And so finally I was like, all right, I'm going to at least go look at the bike, which is always, you know, wife <laughs> knows me. She's like, that means we're coming home with a bike, right? I'm like, I'm going to look at the bike. And so at that point I'm in Pennsylvania. We had to travel to Virginia because that oh. was the closest. Peloton store. We didn't even have one in in Philly yet. That's just like, that's so funny because in the world of Peloton, that's like a hundred years ago. <laughs> I'm an OG Peloton kid. I, know, and I love it's so cool. it. Yeah. So we drove like two and a half hours to um, Tyson's Corner, which is this huge mall in Virginia. And I got on the bike. And the first thing I think I realized was how well made it was. Like you get on that bike and it just felt fierce. Like I felt very secure on it. I, I just, so I started like probably four or five pedals through. I just looked at my wife. I'm like, I'm going to need you to get the wallet because <laughs> we're going to be getting this. Um, and yeah, I did a demo and I did like a quick little five minute ride and, and I was hooked. And yeah, I guess the rest is history. As they say, I got it in November of 2015. So how, how long was that drive between your home? Two and a half hours. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's, that's dedication. You, you knew, you knew deep inside it was going to be. I did. I just felt like I kept saying to myself, I need to feel it. Like yeah. I need to get on the bike and know that like, it feels right. I knew I was going to get but, it. Yeah. That's but. why when Chris was like, let's just go look at the puppies. <laughs> Thank you. We did that in quarantine. We now have a puppy and a kitten. Don't ever just go look at something right. unless yeah. you're going to buy it. Yeah. You're going to come. You're Bye. Yeah, the puppies are so cute. <laughs> of course, I guess it works to my advantage because it's we we met through online dating. So at some point, she pulled out her phone. And was like, "Well, let me just look at single guys." <laughs> exactly, so, and then she got one. Yeah, so there, no, that's how that works. <laughs> that's true. Okay, so um, you bought yours in that day. It comes home. So like, where are we? This is still 2015. 
This is, yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. And, and to show you how bad delivery delays are, she got her bike last week. <laughs> Exactly. It just got here. No, I know. I feel so bad for people that are like dying for their bikes right now. But I know it's sad, and uh, I can understand the frustration. And it's just, it's so crazy how much the community has grown. It's just insane. Well, I, like this is how much it, I I used to actually be a member of the official Peloton page when you could actually post on there and engage and right. have community and friendships. It got so big that it was like, now I kind of branched off to like subgroups and I, I spend more of my time on subgroups just because it's, I mean, it's massive. It's huge. Yeah, it is. You're, you're right. What, what, what has the community been like for you? I mean, since you've been around that, that long, I, I know that you had to have met some cool people. So tell us about that. I think it's, it's one of the keys to success, right? I've had home equipment. It has turned into clothing racks, just like people say. I think I saw somebody post on a a thing today, like, is this going to become a clothing rack? And I'm like, no, it will not. (laughs) But the community is the biggest piece for me, at least. So when I got the bike, I then went on Facebook and I, I found the community. I started posting there and there was just so much motivation and fun and there was accountability. And that's really big for me. Like if I commit to something and someone else knows I'm supposed to do something, it's that age old saying like you're going to do it. Accountability works. The buddy system works. So I started kind of just posting in there and, and introducing myself and, and it got me on the bike. Cause if I was laying on my couch, like having like, you know, a fat day and I'm just like, la, 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 you know, I'd see all these posts. I'm like, oh, oh, look at that ride. Maybe I'll go do that ride. So-and-so just did Robin's whatever. And it would get me off the couch onto the bike. Yeah. And nothing's ever done that before. Nothing's ever gotten me off the couch to the gym other than like my own, you know, will. So yeah, it's like you're. Different. You're like in a club and the admission is riding the bike. And and if it, you start to feel bad, because I mean, I've seen Crystal do this. You start to feel bad if you're talking to these people about Peloton, but you haven't gotten on the bike for a while. And you're like, eh, I got to earn. I got to get back on. I got to earn my stripes. <laughs> also, everybody, everybody, show up. Exactly. Yeah. And people make it look so fun. Like, oh, they had such a great time on such and such ride. And you're like, oh, really? Like, yeah. Maybe that's the one I need. And then next thing you know, three rides later, you're like, oh, I guess, I guess all I needed was a good ride. (laughs) (laughs) Like when they, it was, it's funny. If you go, you can't go back and take any of those old rides anymore, which are just very sad to me, but like, they were so funny too. Like even the instructors like didn't take themselves as seriously. The hair and the makeup was different. Like every, even like their form was different. Like there's definitely been some, I won't name any instructors, some some rides I've been on where I'm like, that's from another place. Like that was like a Peloton. No, no, like, no, you don't put your arms on the handlebars and things that like were traditional in other spaces, but it was the, the camaraderie though, like the Turkey burn. That's you know, like Jess and Robin used to do the bad girl rides, right. like where they would get together. when Nicole was on, like, I, I just, I adored Nicole and Stephen little. And that's what got me into like heart rate and power zone. And so then I started to branch off into like the other, the other communities, you know, like, and, and then got really even more committed. So which other communities have you kind of trickled down to? So I, for a while, and I don't even remember the name, there was a really snarky subgroup of Peloton and it was funny at first. And then I, I, I forget the name of it. I ended up not, I stopped going to it because it was actually, it started to become a little mean girlish. And then I was like, oh, I'm not, it started just to be about making fun of other people. I'm like, that's not okay. 
but there was like, it, I forget the name of it, but it's probably good that I don't. <laughs> I predominantly spend my time on the JSS page because I love Jen Sherman. That's my, that's my girl. And the LGBTQ ally page is, is my, is my jam. That's so those two spaces, sometimes Robin's there's um there's a Robin's page. I don't go to that one as much, but it's probably because I mean, I am a dedicated Jen Sherman writer, like to the core. Yeah. I, t- that's where I think I usually see you on the leaderboard. I feel like yeah. we've been uh, high-fiving. I mean, seeing each other, I, we can only have far back as. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's so cool to actually put a face with the name. I've never known what you look like this whole time. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Apparently I started a bit of a stir on the JSS page because I posted a photo and I have it. I got all the Grateful Dead stuff because I love the dead too. And I, I had the hat on when it first came. I was so excited that I put it on. And I took a picture of myself and I posted it and everyone thought I was Jen <laughs> Some people were like upset. They were like, oh my God, we thought she was allowed back. Because remember the, remember back in the day when like the instructors were allowed in the- uh, yeah. yeah. They were they were a big part of it. And it was so funny. I, there, there must have been like 200 comments of people <laughs> thinking I was Jen Sherman. So I took that as like, I was like, okay, I'm like done. You might've found a new career as a Jen Sherman impersonator. Maybe I could be like a double. If she ever gets sick, I could go into the studio and just try to sub in for her. That's an awesome idea. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was funny. It was, it was very comical. Yeah. Oh, there, there is definitely a resemblance and your hair is just as on point as hers is, which is saying something. I'm, I'm pretty jealous. You guys have that nice thick hair. It's done. So yeah. (laughs) Well, from here, it just looks like you did that on purpose. Like it's got the highlights and the lights going on. (laughs) You're doing better than me. (laughs) Your hair looks amazing, (laughs) Todd. Yeah, I got it over here somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> so you're an author as well. I am. I am. Um, so I write about my own experiences. That's kind of how I I walked into being an author. I was victimized as a very um, young child. I was raped. And that experience kind of took me down this pretty tumultuous, dark path of addiction. And I was really lucky that I survived at a young age. I survived a pretty brutal suicide attempt after living, you know, 10 years in some real heavy, heavy drug and alcohol addiction. And I got sober young. And so, you know, when I, I was trying to figure out what does this new life look like? I'm 22 years old, right? I should just be going into bars. However, I had been in them for like six years. And so I went to college and then I came out of the closet. I discovered I was gay. That was like kind of one of those underpinning secrets of, 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 you know, beneath my addiction. And as I started to like unravel all those secrets, I started to really free myself, but I wasn't really trusting a lot of people in the beginning. So I wrote a lot. And, and writing has always been a real source of solace for me. It's, it's how I process things. And so I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing. And it was, you know, around 2006, 2007, when like the memoir genre started getting really big. And so I was also reading. I love to read. And I couldn't find a book that really spoke to my story. It didn't talk about what it's like to be queer in recovery. And in sobriety, it didn't talk about sexual violence, certainly at all. And so I thought, well, you know, I've, I've written a lot. Maybe I'll try to see if I, could, if I could get this published. And lo and behold, Hazelden Publishing, you know, took my book. And so Blackout Girl came out originally in 2008. Wow. Uh, and it's just gone through a repackaging and reprinting. So it just came back out in September. So it's funny. So I published my first book in 2008, which does anybody remember what happened in 2008? The, the, yeah, oh, subprime yeah, bubble yeah. burst. And yeah. <laughs> it was 
a great time to publish a book. Yeah. Uh, so I was so excited when the publisher's like, we're going to put the book back out. And I was like, yes, it's going to breathe new life into it. And then the, the pandemic hit. And I'm like, <laughs> I have like the worst book karma on the planet. Like, so the yeah. next time you're planning to publish a book, could you let my financial advisor know? So we can <laughs> plan accordingly. Yeah, and I mean, books kind of got a glow up in the pandemic, but of course mine came after the glow up. Like <laughs> the glow up was like early in like March and April and, and my book came out in September. I'm like, I'm just screwed. But the people that need to get to it and, and that need to read it, get to it. And that's what matters. That's yeah. a great title. That is. That is a great title. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I want to go back to the group that you talked about earlier, the LGBTQ. Is, is it just called that or does it have a different name? Because I'm sure people are going to ask about that. And I want to make sure we we get the full name. All right, I'm going to find it. And hopefully I don't get like, it's not a secret group. So it is Peloton because I'm literally on there every day. LGBTQ and ally group. Okay. Thank you. Awesome logo. Like they have an awesome Peloton logo too. And there's probably what I think there's like... I don't want to mix up the pages. I know like the Jen Sherman page just hit like 10,000. I know amazing. it's crazy. I feel like, I think, I feel like the LGBTQ ones around like 6,000 maybe. Okay. It's just a great group, fun group, you know, accountability. Again, it's about accountability. And I think one of the things that I love, so my, my relationship with Peloton in pandemic has completely drastically changed. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I used to ride consistently. And I was like a big member of the 6 a.m. live rides. I would get up at 6 a.m. And I'd ride two to three times a week. I miss that. that was, yeah, me too. Me too. Remember when Robin's Tabata's on Tuesday? Uh, and then I would do like Matt Wilpers would have a power zone. And, you know, I loved my boy, Stephen Little. Like, <laughs> so I was like, but I would still only ride like, and then I would do Jen Sherman on Sunday right. because she owned Sundays, right? Like that was her day. But I wasn't a daily rider. And you know, it, writing for me has always been about my mind and spirit anyway, and it has never really done much for my body. I'll be very honest. And then the pandemic kind of hit and I thought, this is a respiratory illness and I've got the cure for that. Like I've got a respiratory like generator in my home. So, and that, and coupled with just sheer boredom, I got on, I started getting on every day. And so I have been on that bike since March, I will say almost every day. Cause then there's like a big caveat. And I was, I started riding every day and then I started getting even more engaged in communities. And then I started to actually notice benefits in my body that just happened to be these like side effects that are great. Like I lost 20 pounds and I'm wow, like, that's that happened. yeah, I mean, most people gained in quarantine. I somehow lost, I'll take it. <laughs> and then I got, I got diagnosed with uh, uterine cancer. Oh, um, yeah. In October, I was having some issues like over the summer into the fall. And I went to the doctor, of course, it took forever to get to the doctor because of everything going on. And then lo and behold, like I was being scheduled for this like radical hysterectomy within two weeks. Oh and so, yeah. And so I thought um, I'm a sharer to begin with. Like that's really how my recovery works. It's how, I mean, I write books about every horrible thing that's ever happened to me. So I took to the, it was actually the JSS page the LGBTQ page. And I also do the Pelafondo now because I'm, I'm a crazy Peloton person. Now I don't just do one ride. Now I do sometimes do 40. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. So I was on like the tour and the Pelafondo ride and I posted about it and the outpouring of like love and support. It just carried me through that surgery. It carried me through that experience. And, you know, I had all this anxiety about being off the bike. I really did. I thought, Oh my God, like, am I gonna, 
am I going to not get back to where I was? Am I not, am I going to not be able to get to that place? And so I had, I was riding every day. And then I had this like core crew of friends here just in, in started in Pennsylvania. Now we've got a, a girl from Chicago that joins us where like every morning we get on the bike at six 30 and we ride. But then on Saturdays we ride like maniacs. We ride two, three hours. Wow. We'll do like, I know I'm so excited about the stack feature. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but so like, we'll just come up with these rides and we'll do like, you know, two, three hours on the bike and we're texting the whole time, motivating each other. And so I was so scared that I was going to lose like all that. And, um, I think I was back on the bike in three weeks of my surgery. Was that, would, I, I was might, like, did that, the doctor say that, 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 face, okay? that face you made says that that is <laughs> not what they told you like, to do. No, not yet. But I just kind of got on and rolled my legs through and, and I have taken it easy, but I'm, I'm back up to every day. <laughs> no, I, I had I, my surgery on October 22nd and then I was re-hospitalized with sepsis. So I had another setback. Which oh, cool. okay. but, but like I got cards from people from Peloton that I, I only know because of this community. Like it was just, I had so many hands on my back supporting me. It was just, it was awesome. And so like for my final ride before my surgery, there were like all these people and then my comeback ride. It was just, it was really, it's just, I don't know. There's love in this place and there's, there's community and there's support that if you find it, if you seek it and you engage it is really kind of life-changing. I absolutely agree. I, you really feel like when they say we ride together, it's, it's true. It's true. Together yeah. we ride is it's. Yeah, we ride and more than a bike. It is so much more than a bike. It is so much more than a bike. Like I have processed so much. It was funny. Someone just posted in the, in, in one of the groups, you know, is it normal to cry on the bike? And I was like, Oh, let's talk about this. Like, yeah, yeah. Because it's not just about physicality. It's about processing emotions and, and being like, I remember when my, I lost my dad a couple of years ago, four years ago, and I got on, I think it was a Jess King ride. And I just was sobbing and probably for like my first seven, eight rides after he died, that's how, and it was amazing because it's, you know, the bike is an outlet. It, it is. It, it helps you process through so much. It's weird. Yeah. When I say weird, I mean, it's strange because it, it like, sneaks up on you that emotion because like you're just writing and then all of a sudden the next thing you know you're sobbing and you don't even know where it came from I mean it's just I don't know how to explain it but I understand what you're saying you're not alone <laughs> yeah. Listen, I call my bike the synthesizer I mean, I'm a big believer because I do a lot of trauma work I do a lot of healing and hope stuff and I think that you know in terms of behavioral change and especially people that maybe struggle with like rage or anger issues the bike is like this amazing synthesizer. And I remember around the time when George Floyd was murdered and there was so much just like, you could feel it in the air, the anger and the rage. And that's when I started to really identify like, okay, my bike for me is a, it's a synthesizer. I can get on it ready to kill somebody or with like so much spewing rage. And then the bike actually helps me synthesize that into productivity. And then I can get off of it and I can breathe a little bit deeper. And then hopefully whatever I was upset about or mad about, I have a different outlook about it too. And so as a writer, it's huge for me. I, sometimes I'm literally on the bike, like writing in my notes section. I do a ton of my writing on the Peloton. 
I've heard people say before that they're their most creative when when they work out. And I I can't identify with that because like my brain is like I'm just I'm so into what I'm doing that I can't do that. But I'm not a creative person in general. So like I think that's totally cool. I'm always fascinated when people tell me that. <laughs> It's like, wow, I wish my brain would like kick in and come up with ideas when I was yeah. writing. <laughs> I'm all about efficiency. <laughs> it's, super helpful. it's not great for your PRs, but it's super helpful. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. You don't need every day to be a PR. That's but it's great for your I, career. Exactly. It is <laughs> I have not PR'd since I got back on the bike. So I'm just giving that up. Like my numbers are just nowhere near where they were. But I was in such a beast mode prior to the surgery that I it's going to take me a while to get back there. So. It will, but you'll get there when you least expect it. You'll just look up one day and be like, oh, when did that happen? How did how did yeah. I get there? <laughs> Instead of now, I'm like, God, that bitch was fast. What was she doing? Like, how did I get that fast? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's all good though. So I have a question back to your writing. I'm, I'm interested in like, how does it work with a memoir in terms of like, how do you get a publisher to know that someone who isn't already an established celebrity, like obviously if Ellen DeGeneres wants to write a memoir, people are going to beat down her door. But if you're just like regular Joe or Jane Q public and you're like, I've got an interesting story. How did, how did you crack that nut to get their attention? It was hard. And so, cause I was just like Jen Storm living in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I mean, four people may have heard of me. And so I think what I did was I looked at, so I started querying agents. That was a, a mess because you just get so much rejection. Like I must have had like 60 rejection letters on my wall. Did you already and have like a treatment or a book written or were you just like, I Hey, I got an idea. I probably had about 200 pages written, oh, but okay. I didn't even have like chapters identified. Like I just had like my brain dump in a word document, right? Gotcha. It's essentially what it was. And so at one point I did think, well, maybe I should hire an editor to kind of get it to a manuscript submission place. And mm -hmm. so I did that. Quite frankly, I would never advise anyone to spend money on an editor unless it's just really tightening up and grammatical because the person didn't know me, they didn't know my voice, and it ended up kind of being a waste of money for me. I learned a lot of what I did via Google. Like you just Google, like, how do you, how do you have a manuscript su submission? And there's a format that you need, right? You have to have like a little bit of a marketing analysis, which is not as hard as it sounds. You need to have your bio, couple sample chapters. So you don't have to have the book complete, especially if it's nonfiction, it does not have to be complete. If it's fiction, it has to be complete. Sure. Um, so what I started to do was look to the books that I was reading. Like, who do I read? Who do I love? And at that point, it was like Melody Beatty. You know, I was really into like some self-help recovery stuff. And I noticed Hazelden Publishing. A lot of entities require an agent to bring an author to a publishing house. Hazelden is one of those few that takes what they call unsolicited manuscripts. And so I thought, okay, this is, this is an opportunity. So I went on their website. I looked at how they wanted me to submit it. And I submitted to them and they came back and they don't really do a lot of memoirs. Like, I think I'm only one of a, a very small handful of memoirs. So I feel very blessed that they saw something in my story. Um, and it was right around that time where, um, again, memoirs were exploding, but addiction and recovery memoirs were really like smashed had just come out. Prozac nation had just come out and done really well. So I think they, they saw, Oh, here's a young girl with a horrible story. Cause quite frankly, my story it, it is horrific and it's a miracle I'm alive. And, and they thought it would maybe put forth some hope. So I think I got really lucky. Um, and I was really blessed. Yeah. I, um, I also was curious when you were talking about like all the different things you've written about, 
And you were talking about like how addiction and recovery is different or is it different, I guess, is my question for if if you are gay or bi or uh, anything like is did you experience like did it feel like it was different from other people? And I was curious, like if you could expand on that. Yeah, and there's a couple things to unpack there. Like, so the in it, right? The use, really. So much of my my addiction was propelled by this like huge secret that I had. I knew I was getting sure. Okay. I tell you, the first crush, I, the girl I had the first crush on, and there were these points in my life: one being kindergarten, one being fourth grade, and then one being like sixth grade, where I tried to like naturally express what I thought was like, oh, I like girls. Like I didn't, I, I didn't know that this was something you shouldn't like until I got messages from my parents and then from other parents. And I remember a teacher pulling me aside and just shaming the heck out of me. And so it, it obviously quickly made me realize like, okay, this is not something that I should be, I should be engaging. And so it was just one of those other reasons I always wanted to run out of my skin and I didn't feel comfortable. And so drugs and alcohol made me feel comfortable and, and helped me fit in, if you will. And then when I got sober and at such a young age at 22, you know, unfortunately, historically, and this has changed, um, the only place you could really meet other gay people was were in gay bars, right? There would be like every town would have like that one bar or two, right? There might be the gay bar and the lesbian bar, but that was traditionally where we went for community and to meet one another. And so being a sober person, it was hard because those spaces weren't necessarily hundred percent safe for me. Sure. Um, so now, fortunately, I was at college. So I, I engaged and kind of got introduced to a whole queer community in college because most universities have groups. So I was able to kind of meet some people and get community that way. But, um, you know, I probably walked into far too many bars that I really should have than was necessarily safe. But at the same time, it was safe for me in another way. So it was always kind of struggling with those those two things. And, and um, you know, unfortunately, drinking is, is a big thing in our community. And I think mainly because those safe spaces for us were bars, right? That, that's where we, we had to hide in the darkness of a, of a bar room. That's changed a lot. In fact, I think it's unfortunately changed too much to the extent that we don't really have a lot of lesbian and gay bars anymore because it's become almost so mainstream that, you know, I, it's funny. I was on one of, I think it was the, the LGBTQ Peloton page where we were talking about like, where are the lesbian bars? There aren't, there just aren't any places to go anymore because it's become so mainstream. So, but yeah, I mean, it was a struggle in both ways. And I've heard Dan Savage talk about how things like Grinder have really killed the gay bar because oh. you don't, oh, yeah, you, don't you can just everything's at the palm of your hand. Right. Like you don't need to go out to meet people. And so, you know, there's just not a, as much of a need for it. I com combined with what you said, which is it's more mainstream, so it doesn't have to be sequestered in the way that it did previously. Yeah. I find and that fascinating. I've done very little dating in the digital age. So I like those apps. So I'm married. I've been, you know, my wife and I have been together. It's going to be 11 years in February. And so there was no Tinder. There was no, like the, none of those apps existed even prior. Like I remember I did a little AOL instant messaging, you know, like <laughs> chat stuff. And then like match.com was like a big thing. And then I've been in a committed relationship ever since. So I, I have no appreciation of the swipe culture at all. <laughs> Yeah, we got out of it right, but right before the swiping thing became yeah, a deal. Like plenty of fish was still big. Yeah, when we when we got together, so we we haven't done the swiping either. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like we're I always like, like, is it left or right? Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> 
which way you should swipe, but no on that one. Yes on that one. <laughs> well, and now it's become so ingrained in the culture. I do know whether it's left or right. I just don't feel like I can admit it to her or she'll think <laughs> that I found right, out. Right if you like him and left if you don't. She's asking you, is that I it? I think it's a swipe right if you like him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's what I thought. Like, that makes sense. It's like a forward yeah. motion. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, I'm very scarecrow about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do I remember correctly that you said that you have another book coming out soon? Is that? So I have um, Blackout Girl came out in September. And then I wrote a follow-up called Awakening Blackout Girl. And that did come out in October. And so that's more of a, it's, it's a memoir, but it's also much more self-help and it really kind of carries survivors through. It's very specific to, if you are a person who used substances as a means to cope with being sexually traumatized, because there really aren't a lot of targeted resources like that out there. And so I'm really proud of that book. I processed and healed a lot through writing that book personally, like places in, even in myself and in my own relationship that I didn't even think I could go further on the healing path. I, I, I was able to do that in writing it. So I'm really excited uh, for that book. And then the audio version of Blackout Girl releases on February 9th. Yay, awesome. that's exciting. I to narrate it. <laughs> so you do you read it yourself? I did. So here's like, this is a lesson in tenacity and balls because I <clears throat> have both. So they, of course, when, when they sold the audio book, they were like, well, we can't use her. She's not a celebrity voice. No one's going to want to hear her voice. And I'm like, it's my story. Like, what do you mean? And so I fought it with my publisher and they kept coming back and said, listen, we have no negotiating. Like, sorry, you know, you're not Ellen DeGeneres. And so, but they said, they did say though, that you can help select the voice. So I was like, all right, fine. So they sent me three auditions and they were awful. They all sounded like, like Alexa or Surrey on your phone. <laughs> like it was just very like, dude. Robotic. So I went to them and I got pissed. And so I recorded my own. And I sent that back to the, to the audio company, not the publisher. And lo and behold, I got an email from my publisher that was like a little curt. That was kind of like, well, we appreciate what you've done. <laughs> we, you know, that was not really the process, but we wanted to let you know, they really liked your audition and now you're hired. <laughs> so wait, so they, they sent you voice people to read your book because you're not a big enough name, but they weren't names that were going to read the book. No, anyway. no, they were like average people who like have voiceover careers and who have done this. I'm like, what? Well, it's my life. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's a lesson for people to never take no for an answer in circumstances where it's about advocating for yourself because you never know, you know, when you're going to be able to get to that. Yes. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. It reminds me because I'm pop culture nerd. Of course. This is very similar to the story about a rock band. There was a rock band that they had produced their album entirely in their basement and it was like with this one mastermind guy that did it all. And the, the labels like, we really like this record, but you got to have a real producer do it. And so they, they like flew the band out to LA and they gave him this big name producer. I think it was Ted Templeton maybe. And, and, uh, and so Ted Templeton comes in and he goes, here's the deal. He's like, nobody's ever going to make a record that sounds as good as this. I'm not going to touch a track. We're going to sit here for two weeks and then we're going to tell the label that we that we re-recorded it and we'll just send it back to them because this album is brilliant and I don't want to touch it. And that album was the debut re release from Boston. Boston. Oh. Yeah. So there you go. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So you're kind of like the uh, memoir equivalent of Ted Scholes from Boston. <laughs> 
willing to take no for an answer on that one. Yeah, no, nor should you. And it felt so like, and I, listen, I don't even like my own voice. I don't like to listen to my own voice, but I thought if someone's going to hear my story, like, shouldn't it be in my voice? Like with all my reflections and understanding and appreciation for the text. So, yeah, no, I concur. Like that's, that's weird. I like if I was selecting an audiobook and I saw the memoir wasn't read by the author, I'd be like, well, this is going to sound like bad community theater. Exactly. And that's yeah. how it read to me. Like all three of them. I'm like, this just, it, there was no, and especially a memoir, like it's different if it's fiction, right? But right. a memoir, it's your whole personal experience. And so there are moments in the book when I knew to laugh or like, you know what I mean? Where I was able to bring my own emotion to it that uh, somebody reading it would not have, they would just have no knowledge. They would have no Well, and also if you're telling, uh, you know, I mean, given what you said, I'm sure the memoir goes to some dark places. If you choose to laugh at a, at a, at a moment in it, it's you as the person who experienced finding the humor in it, where if it's just some random person reading it now, it's like, are they finding the humor in it or are they, are they laughing at you? Like it's, it like, changes, it, it changes that dynamic. Absolutely. A lot. It does. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad you advocated for yourself. Me I think too. that makes sense. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> also, you need to teach, talk to our teenagers about that, especially yes. the 16 year old. Yes. <laughs> I, think the, I think the girl's doing just fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's true. <laughs> I was just trying to be inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the boy who needs to advocate for himself. It's true. <laughs> What's that? How old's your boy? Uh, he's 16. So, yeah. So he and, and my daughter's 14 and she's uh, she's the exact polar opposite. I yeah. mean, they're not blood related, so it makes sense that they don't have anything really in common. But it's just it's just funny yeah. how two very, very different experiences. Yes. With teenagers. If she's not happy with something, she'll let you know. Whereas whereas my son, as my mother used to describe and she described him this way when he was five, she used to say, that boy wouldn't say shit if he had a mouthful of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, segueing back to the bike, what is your leaderboard name? Blackout Girl. Okay. Makes sense. It totally makes sense. I just, yep. Yeah. I always did that. Um, yeah. It was just, I was like, well, this is what I use it for a lot. So that's, yeah, that's my that is my leaderboard name. Um, and I'm on every day. I'm on. It's funny. Now I rarely li- ride live unless it's Jen Sherman. Um, <laughs> like literally, I'm usually on the bike every morning, 630 in the morning with my little crew. We pick a ride every Monday. We do Jess King experience. I don't know what the heck we're going to do after this week. Because, <laughs> um, oh, God, I love I miss being in the studio. Like I, I miss so much. I even and, if even uh, I didn't get to go to the studio that often. It was like once a year, you know, but um, even. Even being at home, I miss people being in the studio. Not that the instructors are not doing a fantastic job, but it's just yeah. a different vibe. Yeah. And I miss that vibe. <laughs> I miss it a lot. My first in-studio ride was with Robin and, and John Michael. And it was, you know, Friday night. And I'll never, I didn't, I strategically made sure my bike was not placed in front of Robin for obvious reasons uh, because I also I'm far too competitive so if like somebody challenges me like I'm going to go there even if I if I can't athletically go there and then I'm going to injure myself because I'm that stubborn yes. so I made sure I was off to the side but I didn't realize that I was right in front of John Michael's <laughs> DJ remember when it used to be like right next to the this the instructor but I'll never forget that like I forget what song was playing, but there was something came. I think it might've been Whitney Houston. And I must've been like in a zone because I was like singing and dancing. And all of a sudden, John Michael just like, like snapped me with his towel. 
and I felt anointed. Like I was, <laughs> yes, John Michael has snapped me with his towel. I have arrived. Like it was like one of those seminal moments for me in the studio. Yeah. Also, he is like one of the nicest people on the planet. Isn't he? Yes. Sweetest. He is the sweetest man. We've connected on um, an Instagram after that and talked a couple times and he DJed in Philly a couple times. So he's just a doll. He really is. Um, and, and they just have so much fun together. I love the DJ rides. Me too. Yeah. Have you done any of the DJ runs? Have you done any of those? I haven't. I, I want a treadmill so badly. And I was listening to your, your podcast from last week. And so they're all sitting what, in warehouses somewhere. So can I, is there one I can go and just grab one? No, like, <laughs> they won't, let them out. They, they won't let them out. They won't let them go. The smaller one. That's the one I want. Yeah. March 30th. Well, you know, no, I think it is March 30th, even for, uh, Philadelphia. I was thinking that might be one of the city, the cities that starts on February 9th, but I think, I think it's not, I think it's March 30th for you guys too. So I tested one out in Chicago in, in like the bigger ones. And I mean, it is like running on a cloud. It really is. And so I thought like, maybe I could actually run again if I got this. So I'm working on the wife. I, I'm going to get it. Totally I'm understand. Yeah. <laughs> even just walking, even just walking and listening to the, the DJ run could be a lot of fun for you. I'm just, just throwing it out there. <laughs> it's like a nightclub. It's like being in a nightclub, but not which is lovely. <laughs> yes. On both counts. Yes. <laughs> yes. So nope. do you have any, do you have any advice for people just joining the Peloton community? Yeah. I mean, so I have, a, I'm a big advocate and I, I promote Peloton all over the place. I have eight bikes to my name. There are people that have bought bikes through me. Um, but I just, I tell people to get connected. Like, I think that's the difference in it becoming, you know, a piece of equipment that you don't, that doesn't motivate you is real. it's the community. So find, find a community. There's so many different Peloton communities now. So many subgroups. Oh, I belong to the mom group too. I'm on that mom group all the time. I love them. NPR. NPR. So (laughs) Sometimes it's so bougie. Like, and you're like, really? Like, anyway, but yeah. (laughs) Lots of NPRs that I'm like. And where are you going on spring break? (laughs) Thank you, right? Oh, that vacation one that came up recently. Oh my God, that poor woman got so attacked. I know. <laughs> it was brutal. It was. But and also, like all the nurses, I was like, yes. And, and the reason I'm laughing, just for the record, because I'm sure I'm going to get shit for it, uh, is, is because like people do that about every two days and you're just like, come on. <laughs> like if, if you're here, you know, that's going to happen. Why did you even yeah, put it out there? It. Like really a picture of all of you on the beach, no masks, having a blast while all of us are like in our house eating Cheetos. Like stop. Right. Right. Stop. <laughs> yeah. But I do like that group and I've gotten some good. Yeah. It's fine. The end. The, I love the NPRs and the no MLMs. <laughs> like they, people get radical about that too. Like God forbid you promote anything. It's so funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But I think, I mean, what I tell, like, I just had a friend text me the other day and she's like, all right, you motivated me. I got my bike. It's coming next week. And I get a lot of that because I intentionally put a story up on my Instagram every time I'm on the bike, Awesome. you know, because it's consistency and that's how you build patterns and that's how you change behavior and it's how you change everything. Right. And so for me to be accountable, I do that. And there are always these nasty, like sweaty, hot ass mess pictures, but whatever. Um, and so it's just, I think it's about getting connected and then finding people like finding your own little crew inside those connections. Um, like if it weren't for the crew that I ride with every morning, like, I don't think I'd get on the bike every day. Like my alarm goes off Monday through Friday, 545. I'm on the bike and it's because of them. And we're all texting each other in the morning, like morning crew, are you ready? 
we set our ride the night before. So we know what we're going to ride. Like it's just, it's become a pattern that I love. And now it's these individuals. I have never met any of these people in person. I love that. I love them. They're like my family. Like, I love them dearly. Like my the one of them got married. I sent her a wedding gift. Like when I was having my surgery, she sent me brownies. Like, and we we support each other. And it's amazing how virtually and through that, like you can change each other's lives and impact each other's lives. And so that's where it's it is more than a bike. It's like it's yeah, it's like, oh great, I got a workout, but it I don't even it's not even about that anymore. Couldn't have said it better. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time to join us today. Before we go, remind everybody where they can find you. I can tell that you don't mind being found. So. <laughs> no, no, I am. I'm super social media oriented. Um, so I'm on Instagram a lot and it's actually storm one, one nine because someone had blackout girl and don't go to that page because it'll probably trigger all kinds of things on your phone. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the title of my book necessarily can sometimes get you down a rabbit hole on the internet that you don't want to go to. Good to know, good to know. Um, <laughs> Storm 119, which is my last name, and then my sobriety date is November 9th. So oh. I use Storm 119 a lot. And I'm on Instagram all the time. My Facebook page is just Jennifer Storm author. I'm all over there. I have a personal and a public one. I post on both. But uh, and my website's just my name, jenniferstorm.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank you thank very you. much. This is so exciting. Thank you. So I guess that brings this episode to a close. Uh, what, pray tell, can we expect next week? Um, episode 200. Oh, yeah. Episode 200. (laughs) So much. There's going to be so many surprises. There's going to be like many past guest updates and like as in several. Yes. And and short duration. And so you're going to be able to hear from past guests that you have often asked about. You're going to hear from some people telling us what they think about our 200th anniversary. And uh, of course, we'll still cover the news and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Like the 200 jam-packed portion is kind of in place of the interview. So you'll still get the weekly news and then we'll follow it up instead of the interview with lots of like little mini interviews and and well wishes from other people and stuff. It'll, It'll be a good time. Yeah. So until next week, where can people find you? People can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Crystal D. O'Keefe. They can find me on Instagram and Twitter and the bike and of course the tread at Clip Out Crystal. And you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online, facebook.com slash the clip out while you're there. Like the page, join the group. Uh, don't forget our YouTube channel. It's going to come in really handy next week. YouTube.com slash the clip out. And of course, uh, wherever you're getting your podcast from, be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. So that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, keep fighting and running. Running.